before turning our attention to the gospel text, I want to share with you something that I noticed the other day while in prayer. And that is in the Lord's Prayer, which we'll recite together as we get further into our liturgy this morning. You eat first, get forgiven second. We say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, James takes that principle, that idea, that is implied in the Lord's Prayer, and he makes it even more plain. He writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This idea of meeting needs that are physical and with that and as the continuation of that, meeting the needs which are spiritual. Now, I want us to take that to heart when we consider how we minister to others. It's hard to hear the gospel over a grumbling stomach. And it's hard to pray when your teeth are chattering in the cold. We must look to what obstacles may exist to hearing the gospel and do what we can to remain, excuse me, to remove those obstacles so that we can indeed share the gospel in a way that it can be heard. And with that idea, I want to turn us our attention back to our text and how it is a combination of both telling and doing. This morning in the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, we have an interesting progression from statement to action to outcomes. Quickly to get us started, we have a little bit of background Jesus has been baptized. He's gone off into the wilderness to be tempted. John the Baptist, in the the meanwhile, has been placed under arrest. And Jesus is now at the point where he's calling his disciples. The text tells us from that time, and that being his own temptation experience in the wilderness and John's arrest, from that time, Jesus began preaching. Jesus entered the land of Zebulun and Naphtali preaching. Now, people will often say, my life is my testimony, words to that effect, or they may claim, or at least claim to quote St. Francis of Assisi and say that you should preach always and when necessary, use words. Bishop N.T. Wright, who I have a lot of respect for, even goes as far as saying, when absolutely necessary, use words. I want to answer the second rejection of actually sharing your faith out loud with words that St. Francis never said that. He never said it. It's a fake quote. 
There's fake news in the world. Well, there's fake quotes in the world. There's a whole lot more fake quotes in the world than there is fake news. So that is a fake quote. St. Francis emphasized the importance of preaching and made it a rule that all of the Franciscan brothers go to the bishops of the various places where they live and gain license from that local bishop to be allowed to preach with the church's blessing anywhere and everywhere they went. Preaching out loud with words was a key priority for St. Francis. So the so-called quote people have attached to his name is not only fake, is the absolute opposite of what he would actually say. Now next, there's this idea that a person's life, and people are like, my life is my testimony, that somehow a person's life could be a great enough testimony all by itself. I'll first say that we should absolutely strive to live in such a way that our lives do give testimony to the work of Jesus within us. At the same time, I must point out that none of us live lives that exceed the complete perfection that marked Jesus' life as complete and unique. If there's ever been a life that could give adequate testimony all by itself, it would be the life of Jesus. But Jesus entered preaching out loud with words. That's how he shared his message. Now, if Jesus shared the gospel with words, then we should take that as a strong indication that we must also share the gospel with words. And then our lives must, must, must match what we're saying to give proof of that gospel. Having covered that, we turn to the question of just what was it Jesus preached. Entered the land preaching. Entered the land preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just what does it mean to repent? For a lot of people, it seems to only mean to decide to be a Christian. Admit a need for Jesus. A moment in life. And not much else. And then if we were to look in other translations of the Bible, the same Greek word that we have here translated as repent is translated as do penance. And both of those translations are perfectly valid translations of the word. Those that typically translate the word as do penance, in that realm, there's often the focus on a few prayers of contrition and possibly a small or simple act of service. Again, it's temporary, it's localized, it's only for the moment. Both of these are inadequate understandings of the word. The meaning of the word, no matter which translation is being used, is this. It is the total change, both in thought and behavior, with respect to how one should both think and act. More simply, it is turn around and go the other way. Stop living your life for you and start living your life for Jesus. That's the real definition. Jesus said, when he came in, and it says, Jesus entered preaching, 
Jesus preached. Jesus said, repent, stop what you're doing, turn around, change the way you think and act and live for me. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see this plainly two sentences later. Jesus, seeing Peter and Andrew fishing, says to them, follow me. Turn around and go the other way. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You, Peter and Andrew, you typically go out to sea. Cast your nets, drag in your catch, bring it to shore, sell the fish, and make your living. Now you are called to leave your boats. Forget your nets. Walk with me. Cast instead the net of the gospel. Bring in the catch, also known as new Christians, and let God the Father supply all your needs. In other words, repent, stop what they're doing, turn around, change the way they think and act, and live for Jesus. And just what is the outcome of repentance? What does Jesus provide as a response? The text tells us Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Proclaim the gospel and heal every disease and every affliction. Repenting, following Jesus, results faith in action. Reaching out as the very body of Christ to help alleviate the suffering in others. In fact, Jesus says that we will even do more than he did. In his account of the gospel, John records Jesus telling us, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in my will will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will they do. In other words, you, you faithful Christians, you'll do everything that I have done and even more than I have done. You want to be a Christian? It's actually a really simple process but few ever try. Repent, turn around, live for Jesus, bring blessing and comfort to those in need. May the Lord give us each the strength to truly repent. Amen.